Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Welcome to the show, Calvin Roberts. Thank you very much for having me, Victor. It's my pleasure to speak with you. Well, great to have you here. Now, Calvin, you come from the world of insurance, and in particular, commercial insurance for multifamily and other assets, and you operate nationwide. But before we dive into some of those details, maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Excellent. Yes, sir. I began in the industry when I was 19 years old. I started off at a all-state insurance office, very quickly worked my way up to the agency manager position, and stayed with that company for about two years. And it was a fantastic experience. I got to cut my teeth both in the exciting world of insurance production and also sales management. But only having one insurance company to sell is kind of like having your hands tied behind your back. It's limiting in terms of the clients you can serve, the scenarios you can add value in. And I, I knew very quickly that my goal was to go independent as soon as possible. So after I got my two years, I branched off, went to work for an independent mom and pop insurance agency based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I stayed there for also about two years. It was a great experience. The principal I worked under, she was a fantastic mentor, taught me quite a lot about diligence and doing things the right way. The pain point with that agency was that I did not own my book of business. The client relationships I was developing were the contractual property of someone else nor would I get paid on you know, the renewal of the policy, which that's where the real scalability and you know, ability to become an effective cash flow vehicle really shines within property and casualty. So I, in April 2020, right as the world was melting down, the stay-at-home orders were coming out, I said, this is the time to bite the bullet, restart from zero. I had a good friend I had known for about four years at that time, He's maybe five years older than me and was opening his own startup agency. He made me a sweetheart offer where I owned my book of business, client relationships I would develop during my time with them. And that was the real benefit of essentially restarting from zero and having to do just about everything myself. You know, it took all of the training wheels off, put the bumpers down. <laughs> it was a terrifying and exhilarating memorable experience that I'll think about for the rest of my life, because that was really the first time I got to cut my teeth effectively as a small business owner. You know, it wasn't my name on the entity, but in terms of operating with zero oversight or fail safes, it allowed me to kind of season myself prior to making that jump to agency principal a couple of years later. And my, my friend, he knew that eventually I would be splitting off to form my own firm leave for bigger and greener pastures, so to speak. And, you know, it was understood on the front side. I, I don't want to play gotcha games or anything like that. So going into beginning of 2022, quarter one, I hit that million premium critical mass where I knew I could go out and attract insurance companies to contract me, work with myself directly. So I split off, formed what is now Falcon. We had tremendous early success in year one. It was huge being able to capture 100% of the revenue versus capturing 60% of the revenue like I had been for the two years preceding. So that enabled me to 
I do more speculative marketing plays. I did a fair amount of out-of-state travel, going shake hands at multifamily real estate meetups and trade shows and other industry events, and just kind of hit the pavement and do things the old-fashioned way. The insurance industry has gone through a tremendous amount of upheaval over the last couple of years. Everything from COVID claims, whether they would fall under force majeure clauses or not, to a number of notable storms along the Gulf Coast, which of course are not new. They've been happening since the beginning of time. But yet we've seen insurance premiums escalating dramatically in a number of markets. I'm hearing from some folks 500%, 700% increases in insurance premiums. And there are very few projects on the planet that can withstand that kind of an increase. What What are you seeing? What are your thoughts? So when it comes to the outrageous increases in pricing we've witnessed over the last several years, there's really four or five factors all working in tandem, especially in the Gulf Coast market. The first, like you mentioned, is the catastrophic loss events, hurricanes. In the Midwest, we had a catastrophic freeze event end of 2022, where it got down to about 20 degrees in a large part of the Midwest. It resulted in exploded pipes throughout buildings all over Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois. In the Gulf Coast, really, it's that catastrophic occurrence, you know, where you have a hurricane, that's most commonly what impacts there. You have the direct effect of inflation and how, you know, if you're an insurance company, perhaps you budget maybe 60% of the premium dollars you collect to going out to settling losses. That would give you somewhere between an 8 and 10% underwriting profit if everything went well. They have other fixed costs that they have to pay. They pay the issuing insurance broker a commission between 10 and 15% generally. They have maybe 10 to 15% overhead, underwriting, accounting, all of the other operational expenses that come with being an insurance company. And then they cede a portion of the remaining premium to their reinsurance provider. So let's say we have a year like 2021 or 22, where the cost of rebuilding skyrockets 30% within a year. Well, that breaks the actuarial modeling that insurance companies forecasted. If you're expecting to spend 50 or 60% of your premiums towards settling losses, and because of rapid inflation, it actually becomes 70 or 75 or 80%. Just like that, you're posting a 5, 10, 20% underwriting loss. It translates to billions of dollars going down the toilet, essentially. I was just reading a a study last night about how in quarter one, 2023, the insurance industry posted over an $8 billion loss compared to last year, quarter one, they posted just over a $3 billion profit. So it's, I get where the multifamily investor and operator is coming from. They see these exorbitant renewals and think, oh, what a racket, you know, this is a scam. But I do see both sides of it to where if you're an insurance company and you're not making money, what do you do? You increase the prices just like any other business. And that's really the scenario that we're in now. Also impacting the Gulf Coast is, and I touched on this briefly, but reinsurance. That is insurance for insurance companies that essentially allows for more efficient use of capital throughout the entire risk capital stack. You don't want to set aside an exorbitant amount of money into a reserve that could otherwise be returned to investors in the insurance company. Reinsurance is the mechanic that allows for not having such a massive rainy day fund, so to speak. 
Reinsurance has been having a bad time over the last five years, and that's driven largely by the increase in scale and frequency of these catastrophic loss occurrences. It's not a business I am envious of, I'll put it that way. (laughs) So when we talk about reinsurance, these are the Mm -hmm. Lloyds of London's of the world that are not the mainline insurance companies Mm -hmm. that are customer facing, but they're providing that second line of defense to those primary insurance companies for losses above a certain threshold, correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. So that would be your Lloyd syndicates. That would be your Munich RE. That would be, you know, I know AIG plays around in this space. Berkshire Hathaway has several reinsurance companies. It's insurance for the insurance company. So they don't go bankrupt or otherwise become insolvent or even have a credit degradation as a result of those catastrophic loss occurrences. So we have cost of losses going up. We have maybe some of the actuarial risks not having been properly accounted for for the years and decades leading up to today. So maybe the clients have been underinsured in that respect. And yet we're talking about massive increases in a very, very short time period. They're not being dialed in over the span of uh, of years they're being dialed in in the span of months. What can clients do to help mitigate that risk? Is it simply a matter of higher deductibles? Is it a matter of uh, what what strategies can property owners use to, to mitigate the cost? Because the, the choice is they have to get out of those assets. And, and it's not like there's a ready buyer for those assets willing to pay that higher premium. So it's a a tough scenario many operators find themselves in. The first thing that a group of sufficient scale, and by sufficient scale, I'm not talking 50, not talking 500, not talking 1,000 doors, probably 2,500 plus doors as the minimum for a mechanism such as a captive insurance approach may begin to make sense and be an efficient use of capital. But at sufficient scale, you form your own insurance company. That's how you control cost. You know, The cost of risk is what it is, but with a captive, you're able to cut out the insurance company profit. So it does save a modest amount of money at sufficient scale. That's really the only true mechanism other than you know, investing an exorbitant amount of money upgrading your buildings, which usually isn't practical. That's my go-to recommendation is a feasibility study on a captive insurance approach. Now, are are captive insurance companies recognized by most lenders under the covenants for the loan agreements? That's kind of like self-insuring on one level, which most lenders will not accept unless you're putting all of those funds in reserve. What's your experience? So the workaround there is usually to work with what's called a fronting carrier. So that's a admitted A-rated insurance company who puts up the paper, and then your captive acts as the reinsurance for that fronting carrier. So they cede all of the risk to this captive. They might charge between 5 and 10% of the total premium generated by your captive to cover their credit risk, essentially. But that is the most common workaround, especially when there's any kind of agency that or you know, anything along those lines imply. Fascinating. To what an extent does claims history play into the perceived risk? So there's all these different factors that come into the actuarial risk. 
if you happen to be unlikely and your building got struck by lightning, so to speak, or or literally, it happened to one of our buildings, got struck by lightning, and we ended up having an insurance claim as a result. Apart from those scenarios, what else can you do that would, in the eyes of the insurer, lower your risk? One of the big programs we've helped a multitude of multifamily operators to bring to market is what's called a tenant legal liability master policy. And what this does is it provides a similar amount of risk transfer as requiring the tenant to obtain their own third-party renter's insurance. You know, it's that tenant legal liability angle. The tenant, maybe they work a 10-hour day, come home, crack open a couple beers, fall asleep with a pizza in the oven, or, you know, an otherwise direct negligence type of usually fire loss is what we see. Those are the losses that really eat into the just the overall profitability within habitational. So by having a tenant legal liability master policy in place, you're able to maintain the compliance side of requiring renter's insurance. You know, you might give your tenants the choice, provide us with a state farm or whichever other company you pick declaration page for your HO4 renter's insurance, or we will force place you into this program at your expense and pass that cost on to you in the form of a line item portion on your monthly rent bill. Fascinating. Well, lots to work on over the coming weeks and months in the whole realm of insurance. It's certainly affecting investment strategies in particular in the southern states, uh, whether it's hail damage, storm damage, (laughs) flood damage, Uh, and so on, all of these different risks. Definitely, we see that as affecting premiums in a significant way. If folks want to connect, if they want to get in touch, what's the best way? I am extremely responsive to phone, email, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm at my desk north of 100 hours every week. So any form of communication works perfect. You know, smoke signal, carrier pigeon, however you want to reach me, I'll be there. I love it. Well, Calvin, love the perspective and appreciate the advice. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Calvin Roberts at falconinsagency.com. The link will be in the show notes. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.